0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, a random topic podcast hosted by me, Dan. And me, Lou. I think that's the intro, Lou. Yeah. I think we can. Yeah. it short I mean,
1: think nailed down, to be fair. When you came out with that, a random topic podcast, I was like, sheesh. I
0: was like, he's that's been practicing. It. It. <laughs> I'm clipping that. That's the only thing
1: I've practiced. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Obviously, today we had a sporting event um,
0: that didn't go our way, didn't we? Which is quite ironic because we'll say it now. Our episode this week is going to be about sporting fails, excuses, controversies, any one of those. And we had a sporting fail today, didn't we?
1: We did, yeah. We did have a very big sporting fail. As a Spurs fan, we don't really get much joy anyway. Um, And this weekend probably was possibly the worst weekend of results that we could have possibly asked for. So all of the stars aligned, but against us and for our enemies.
0: (laughs) Actually, it's quite ironic because as part of my material this week, I've got ironically something about Spurs and Arsenal in (laughs) mind I thought how ironic we'll do it now but it's just more of a reason for doing it because again it's something bad that happens to Tottenham and their justification (laughs) so it just feels like a never-ending cycle rest of the week okay
1: yeah yeah absolutely fine very standard coming back from the new year which is nice yeah it's actually been a really good start to 2023 all things considered I guess
0: yeah good week mixed week good week at work tottenham today was bad actually i've got something that really annoyed me i accompanied someone to a hospital appointment this week and we were in the waiting area and the consultant rooms went one two three six no one two three four five six six and a half seven eight (laughs) and i don't know what the six and a half why is there a six and a half
1: do you reckon is it like a mist is it for wizards
0: I don't know. It really annoyed me. I should have asked. I didn't. And now I'm really frustrated. You need if anyone to go knows, see your,
1: your muggle doctor and instead of going to platform nine and three quarters, you go to room six and a half. Is <laughs> nine is it...
0: bad luck so they don't want to go to nine? I, yeah. I don't know. Is it... <laughs> Very random, that is. Right, Lou, in a slight change to the way we do things, I'm going to talk about our socials now just because I had a bit of feedback this week for one of our episodes. So this was the episode two weeks ago. Marketing fails, and this is from Dan Strange at running dan eighty three on Twitter, and he has sent a picture of a marketing fail, and this was brilliant, so it was from Blackberry and it was saying, Keep up with a conversation on Twitter, and it had a picture of them and linked to Instagram, but at the bottom it said via Twitter for iPhone. Okay,
1: that's <laughs> <laughs> <It was> great. <laughs> just along the same lines of that, what celebrity was it recently that had a deal with like Huawei? Um, and then they were tweeting all of their Huawei promo from Twitter for iPhone and then all of the tweets got deleted. Was it like Camille <laughs> Cabello oh. or someone like that? I can't remember. It was a singer definitely. But reminds me reminds me of that. Yeah.
0: You just know that you know the gut punch they must have felt when they <laughs> they realised that. <laughs> From the same episode, I had, again, uh, someone I used to work with, Pete Pete on Twitter. He just said, yeah, great listen, guys. Re- really interesting. He-, he really enjoyed that. And he is also a Stevenage fan. So I told him to listen out to the episode that went out today because we referenced the Stevenage result. Oh, my God. Amazing. <laughs> Shall we say that our show is supporting the Stevenage Borough on their cup run?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we can, yeah, we can commit to that. We can commit to being Stevenage fans in this cut run.
0: <laughs> there you go, Pete. If you can tweet Stevenage Borat, you know, for us, let them know we're going to we're gonna support them on the run and we'll cover their results on, on this. Yeah, when uh, they,
1: yeah, whenever they play a game, we'll make sure to give them honourable mention. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and sorry, one last one. This is for the episode last week. It was from Slade at Slade Play Games and he mentioned that he had a 3D TV. So this was from our product files. <laughs> He said he did have a 3D TV. It's in his workshop now. And he did remind me that the Xbox 360 did 3D at some point because he, if he, he said, if he remembers correctly, Call of Duty, Black Ops, and Gears of War 3 had 3D modes. He said it was awful. <laughs> I
1: can imagine. You know what? It rings a bell, but I can't remember ever using it. So I can't I can't vouch for it. But yeah, it does ring
0: a bell. It does ring a bell. Yeah, that's that's what I said to him. I, I do remember it, but this was probably be- before I got my 3D TV. Not that based on if you've listened to last week's episode, we would have used it after I got my <laughs> 3D TV. <laughs> if you have got feedback, we are at castingviews on Twitter and castingviewspod at gmail.com. If you want to get us via email.
1: And also, do you know I was thinking about Stevenage in the cup run. I was just thinking, uh, casting views away day. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Stevenage borough Pete,
0: if you're listening, <laughs> get us tickets. We're yeah. If you can get, get us, us a ticket for the game
1: against Stoke, I think mean, it's Stoke, isn't
0: it? If you can get us tickets for the game against Stoke, we'll actually come. <laughs> Seriously. I was saying it now. We are going to be the unofficial, um, official, unofficial <laughs> podcast of Stevenage borough in the FA cup. <laughs> before we get into the episode let's hear from good friend of the show justin henson over at the movie wire he's on the run from the law
1: falsely accused of murdering his wait oh, got my scripts mixed up here ah, here we go this makes more sense the movie wire podcast with host justin henson hear justin's movie verdict wherever you listen to podcasts tune in to the movie wire today
0: And we're back. So Lou, I have changed the scope of this a little bit over the week. I think I kept messaging you, but we are, yeah, we're kind of, as I mentioned before the break, we are going to talk about sporting fails, controversies, and maybe some funny excuses that have come out of failure, right?
1: Yeah, I think the, the caveat that we'll need to put on this for any audience members is that these will probably be like UK focused, I guess. So there'll probably be cultural things that kind of relate to stuff that we've personally experienced. Because I don't keep up with a lot of like yeah, American football or baseball or uh, NBA, that sort of stuff. So a lot of these are things that I've either remembered or read about as just being huge scandals.
0: Yeah, you're right. I've got two UK ones and then I well, I have got one US-based one. Okay. That's more of a scandal. So my my two UK ones are funny excuses. My, U, my US one is a scandal. <laughs> so I'm going to start with, let's do... Um, if we've got time, I'm going to do it as a UK-US-UK UK sandwich. Yes. Let's do that. So I'm going to start a funny one. Well, I was going to ask if you remember it. Well, you probably wouldn't because it was the year you were born, so you'd be <laughs> hard-pressed to remember it. But this was in April 1996. This was about the funny excuse or, or reason put for why Man United got a thumping from Southampton. Are you aware of this? I am. I am. Football excuses don't get much bigger than Man United changing their kit at halftime against Southampton. Now, this was obviously in Man United's glory days. Yeah, this was Eric Cantona days, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, they they were a, they were a bloody good side, right? And this was obviously Sir Alex Ferguson as well, who's still still a legend, right, in the game. So, on the thirteenth of April, ninety six, the Red Devils travelled to the Dell, having won eleven of their previous twelve Premier League games, to overhaul Newcastle at the top of the table. Relegation-threatened Saints produced a memorable performance against the seemingly unstoppable United. Southampton went 3-0 up, but the game is famous for an angry Sir Alex Ferguson making his team change from their grey kits at the break as he claimed it was making it difficult for his players to see each other in the bright sunshine. So I don't know if you've seen it or if anyone at home, but yeah, they were playing in this really weird grey kit instead of the usual red. When they came out in the second half, they were in a totally different kit. Um, United changed to a blue and white kit, but that still couldn't inspire them to a comeback as they still lost 3-1. I guess um, they won the second half 1-0. They did win the second half, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the players don't like the grey strip, manager Ferguson said at the time. The players couldn't pick each other out. They said it was difficult to see their teammates at a distance when they lifted their heads. It's nothing to do with superstition. Now, this the, one of the reasons I included as well, I found this little bit interesting, which I hadn't heard before. Now, Gary Neville, who actually played for United that day, said it wasn't quite as simple as his boss deciding to change tactics. It was more to do with science. Now, they they have someone called a vision specialist employed, which I hadn't heard before. So a vision specialist called Gail Stevenson from Liverpool Uni would come in twice a week to the club, he explained. She actually said to Sir Alex, this was a detail that they would go into. Imagine you've got a crowd behind you. There are colours you can see quicker than others and those that stand out more than others. It's obvious. The reason people wear bright yellow on a motorway so people can see them, people don't wear grey on a motorway. She'd said to him, this is not right. The players will not pick out the grey shirts in a crowded atmosphere as quickly as the other ones. This is something that has been going on for months. He'd rejected this kit a couple of months before. He was not having it at all. The vision specialist then started to work with kit manufacturers on how our kits, how to make our kits stand out the most. There was a bit more science behind it than the gaffer didn't like the kit. And that's the reason why we were losing. So, yeah, I thought I kicked off with that, that the reason they were losing was because of a, a, a football top, a grey top. Now, kit. I can say if you've seen the shirt, right, and you can go and Google it, it is
1: an awful football shirt. And I've never seen really any other clubs play in a grey colour in the way it was. So I can imagine that against the backdrop of a crowd who are all probably wearing jackets, because I can't remember when the fixture was played, but it's never warm really in England anyway. So people wear yeah, jackets on when they go to football. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's never going to be warm. I imagine against the backdrop of that, it is probably a little bit difficult to pick players out. So I know that Gary Neville had done that interview afterwards and said it wasn't just a thing that happened on the day. It was a thing that they consciously thought about because they actually did have spare kits ready. And that's the thing. I think that I would be less inclined to believe it if they'd have just changed into like a training top or something like that and asked the referee permission to do that. But they actually had spare kits, full kits on standby just in case. And that's a little bit strange to me, obviously. So I think there's a lot of legitimacy to it, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think so. And I think having that in the back of your mind now, yeah, you can can pick it up. I, I mean, you do wonder though how much of it is also mental. So when they come out, the second half and they've changed does it affect the opponents that they've yeah. done something different or does it give you more confidence now there's a couple of things at play the opponents already winning three 0 so they probably took their foot off the break a little man united at the time were man united and they were top right and they'd won 11 out of 12 so was that just a psychological thing to kick their kick them in the ass and then just play better
1: yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, st- statistically, there is actually science behind the whole football shirt thing just generally. I mean, if the, I can't remember if it was Tifo Football or Athletic Interest, both amazing YouTube channels, by the way, would definitely check them out. But one of them did a video on statistical probability of victory depending on what colour a team wears. So they found that red was the most successful team colour along with bright blue and that white, being Spurs fans, is one of the worst um and again it's all about what like emotion that the color invokes in the opposition and how easily it stands out and all of these factors Um, but statistically there is a difference in football shirt color as well so you know it's it's something that can't be can't be like snubbed because like science
0: (laughs) or is it just that bad teams play in a certain color and (laughs) just bad teams just have (laughs) shit shirt manufacturers that might might be what the problem is (laughs) yeah and can you imagine if you forked out 80 quid for that kit then they they took it off at half time because it was that bad for them <laughs> Yeah. That, that never to be seen again and yeah, you just it was li- paid 80 quid literally
1: worn once and then never again and that's it i think it's a bit of a collector's item now because it was so rare and not many people picked it up at the time um it is a hilarious story as well but again like i said they won the second half as well so there was probably something yeah, in it yeah. to be fair but again it's like it's a little bit like what you say again psychologically has it just done something to the united players to turn around and like like you say to kick their asses into gear to think right we've got rid of what we thought the problem was now and psychologically it's just presenting a change in the way that they've played and they've just come out and played better football yeah it, it could also be that as well i think it was probably all of those factors to t- to be honest but yeah it's brilliant, well, brilliant and probably story.
0: ferguson gave him a right rollicking because he was yeah. known for that so
1: <laughs> if you look at shirts nowadays how many times do you see um football clubs now playing in like bright fluorescent shirts like we see it in the yeah. Premier League, Man yeah. City have got bright fluorescent colours. All of the away colours are usually some sort of bright fluorescent colour. Everton played in bright pink for a period of time, didn't they? Leicester yeah. played in pink. So, yeah, there's there's probably been a change over over like the last 20 years in the way that, that people are looking at it. But I just think, yeah, brilliant masterstroke. If Fergie's meant that and he's done all the science behind it, absolute genius. If he's just turned around and used it as an excuse, it's still absolutely genius. So, yeah, either, way. either way,
0: he comes out as a genius. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> So yeah, so I I'd start with a quick one. I remembered the game, and I just thought, yeah, what a perfect uh, example of a funny excuse or an unusual excuse for for losing a game. So yeah, a badly <laughs> coloured football shirt was the reason why they lost. Over to you.
1: <laughs> right, I'm going to start off with a slightly serious one, and mine are going to get lighter and lighter as we go along. So okay. Okay. this is the scandal of the 2000 Paralympic basketball gold medal. So in the Sydney 2000 games Spain's Paralympic basketball team won gold won the gold medal it just turns out i don't do you know anything about this just prior to going any further no no okay so it turns out Spain's Paralympic uh, basketball team won the gold medal however it later emerged that 10 of the 12 team 10 of the 12 players weren't actually disabled at all in any capacity
0: oh, come on. Come so
1: The former head of Spain's governing body of sports athletes with intellectual disabilities at the time said, and even still to this day says that he knew nothing. So the athletes that were pretending to be disabled basically pretended on the basis that they had intellectual disabilities. So obviously at the time, I guess it's just more difficult to put people through the test because if your Spanish federation has said, yep, they have this particular disability, I guess there's no reason for the Olympic Committee to doubt it. However, 10 of them didn't. (laughs) They beat the Russian counterparts to win the gold medal. Um, And then behind the scenes, there were investigations um, that took place because there were suspicions that were raised around the team just generally. So a journalist was actually the first one to blow the whistle on the team's cheating. And it wasn't actually long after the win. Ten fake Paralympians were amongst 19 people to be charged relating to the scheme. And the president, um, who's actually since done interviews on this, Fernando Martín Vicente, was among those subject to criminal charges. However, he accepted full responsibility in 2013. It meant that the charges against the 18 other defendants were dropped. So he basically turned around and said, it was okay, my scheme. Okay. I was the one that orchestrated it. And I was the one that made made them do it, basically. However, since then, he's given an interview and he said that he denied any involvement in the plot and he labelled the allegations as absurd. <laughs> so whilst he turned around and took the fall for the team, he's then later come out and said, no, it was all nonsense. I didn't know anything about it. It was very, very strange. Very, very strange. And also, I just think to myself, why would you, like, what particular sport? Because then, does it not delegitimize any? medal that spain has won at that paralympic games because i'd then be looking at all of the athletes it does yeah of course it does it actually had such a profound effect that for the next two paralympic games athletes with intellectual disabilities weren't allowed to compete so that's how big the effect was the, the yeah. Olympic committee was so scared of this happening again that they actually turned around and said we don't even want athletes with intellectual disabilities competing because we don't want this situation again they later rescinded the the decision obviously but for that's 8 years potentially that yeah. you've trained your entire life and one spanish basketball team's decision to cheat has now ruined every other nation's chances of their athletes going to the paralympic games i think it's utterly
0: not nu- utterly nuts to be honest with you Firstly, it is absolutely outrageous. I mean, the thing is, how how desperate were they for Olympic medals? I mean, that they had to, to blatantly lie and cheat like that. Yeah. And secondly, you know, you said, does it question, make you question the other ones they've won? I think, naturally, it probably would. But does it then also make all the other teams? Do, do, did people maybe start potentially questioning other teams and start say, you know, yeah. if a team did particularly well or something? Did they? It's... Yeah, it's just it's just so wrong, isn't it, on so many levels. And do you know what one of the saddest things about this story is? Is one of the Perth
1: people most, most directly affected by the ban afterwards was actually the captain of the Spanish team in Sydney 2000, which was Ramon Torres. And he was actually one of the two players who did genuinely have a disability. So he had to hand back his gold medal. And apparently he questioned people in the team at the time who didn't appear to have any disability. And he was just told by the hierarchy, don't worry, there's no issue here. So the captain of the team was one of the ones got that got done over. And again, all for what? The gold like, I understand you wanna win gold, but it's just it's very strange. It's very strange. No need for it. And and again, at the at the Paralympics, it's like the 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 pinnacle of Paralympic sport is the Paralympics. You've got to be really brazen to try and cheat at these events. Like We've seen doping and drug scandals, but for that, you've literally just put up athletes that haven't got a disability. It's crazy. To That's
0: think. exactly it. Yeah. I mean, how bad are devaluing? But what I would like to know, and it's probably not something you've got there, is I wonder, did they necessarily win everything they competed in or did they not? So, you know, just what I'm trying to say, so the the fully abled people, did they actually win every, every event they were in? Oh, right. So I think that this specific group of players was only put together for the 2000 Paralympic Games. There is two sets of Olympics. If those players are good enough, did they just think that they were, they were, I I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a thing of like, they were athletes and they were gifted at what they did, but they turned
1: around and said, well, we will have an advantage by being fully abled athletes at the Paralympic Games and if that's just the way that they've turned around and looked at it and said that's our way to glory and like I said the Spanish hierarchy in terms of their sporting federations must have had something to do with it because the President must have known Like, how could you have got through all of the sifting that would have had to have been done to prove any of these disabilities without somebody turning around and turning a blind eye so I don't know whether or not it's just personal glory but it must have been like a want for glory of like the Spanish team because otherwise it wouldn't have been
0: allowed would it? It's, it's, well, it's strange You could say Potentially, could the president say he honestly didn't know? Because he's just a figurehead at the top of it. But I don't, I don't believe that. And also, there have to be to have like ten of the twelve or whatever. It would need a number of officials to be in on it. Yeah. But secondly, also, the players themselves don't. You know, have they not got a conscience?
1: Yeah. Exactly. Oh, well, obviously Again. not.
0: Obviously not
1: yeah th- this is the thing again when you're looking at it like you you've been you've evidently been asked or invited to take part at no point have you ever questioned it and at no point have you ever raised any issues so to me again it's just a scummy thing all round and like i said the only victims in this were the two teammates who genuinely had disabilities yeah, that's, who then that's had to hand bad. their gold medals back it's just a crazy situation i just yeah very very weird scandal very very terrible scandal in reality and like i said kind of kind of rocked the sport because then you look at the ripple effect that it had in the fact that then athletes with intellectual disabilities being banned for the next two tournaments that's the ripple effect that that one single team had it's kind of like bringing the whole sport into disrepute and, and that's really and it brought the paralympics into disrepute in reality um, yeah. and, and yeah, that's, that's, yeah, it's, it's just a crap, crap situation all round.
0: Bang out of order, basically. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I promise they get lighter from now on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And I'm just thinking about that. I wonder if there have been other instances and maybe if they've just got, got away with if, yeah. like you said, if it's a basketball team, that's a lot of one specific unit, but if, if they were liberally sprinkling individuals throughout the events, could they have got, got away with it? Sorry, did you say how it came to light?
1: So there was a journalist list that started poking around oh, and investigating yep. and then he found out that some of the athletes didn't have disabilities. Yeah. Then it went to tribunals and stuff where medical records needed to be pulled out and none of them had any fucking medical records, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, yeah, honestly. It's,
0: see, it's yeah. always the journalists. We need these like the uh, the Gizmondo last week. Yeah. Discovering <laughs> the mafia. It's the it's journalists that when they do things like this, good jobs. <laughs> Right. I'm going to try and talk about American football now. (laughs) You mean (laughs) mean hand egg? (laughs) Hand egg, yeah. So for um, our American friends and anyone who's into football, I apologise now for my lack of experience and knowledge (laughs) on this. But it was just something that was floating around in the back of my head. And I didn't realise it was actually seven, well, it's going to be eight years old now. This article was actually on the 25th of January, 2015. Uh, so it was Deflategate. So are you aware of Deflategate? I've heard. Can't remember detail. This is probably something it, that
1: I've seen in like a YouTube top 10.
0: Yeah, I guess just from the word, you could probably guess what it is, but I didn't quite know exactly what it was about. So I found this article on the BBC quite handily. For those who missed it, let's start at the very beginning. In a nutshell, the NFL was investigating claims that the Patriots may have deflated match balls to give themselves an advantage in their 45-7 to win over Indianapolis that sent them to the Super Bowl. According to reports, 11 of the 12 game balls they provided for the rain-affected matchup were under-inflated by about £2 per square inch. Then when I was researching this, I was thinking, but what's that got to do with anything? I would have thought that wouldn't be so good for them if they're deflating it. But it's not. because It was raining that day. And that's important because if you deflate a ball in cold or wet conditions, it provides more grip for the quarterback, in this case, Tom Brady, to grab hold of rather than a a hard, slippery ball, as it were. In a statement, the NFL said initial evidence thus far supports the conclusion that underinflated footballs were used by the Patriots in the first half but were properly inflated for the second half. However, the Patriots denied any wrongdoing and immediately after the game and throughout the week. Then again, I was thinking, but surely if you deflate a ball, isn't it the same for both teams, right? And there is a heading here. So if the balls are deflated, did both teams gain an advantage? Strangely, no. Now, this is a bit I didn't know. Both teams supply their own balls for each game. So the Colts quarterback, Andrew Luck, used his own. Ah. <laughs> 12 balls are presented to the referee by both teams two hours, 15 minutes before the game. NFL rules on the types of ball to be used are very specific. The ball must be a Wilson, hand-selected, bearing the signature of the Commissioner of the League. It then continues, the ball shall be made up of an inflated urethane bladder enclosed in a pebble-grained leather case, natural tan colour, without corrugations of any kind. It shall have the form of a prolate spheroid, and the size and weight shall be long axis 11 to 11 and quarter inches, long circumference 28 to 28 and a half inches, and it goes on and on. So basically, very, very specific regulations for the ball. Um, The referee shall be the sole judge as to whether all balls offered for play comply with these specifications. So final line of that particular rule states that a pump is to be furnished by the home club and the ball shall remain under the supervision of the referee until they are delivered to the ball attendant just prior to the start of game. And this is how there's a possible window of opportunity to deflate them before the first quarter. The league, the Friday after, said that it could not yet determine whether the deflations were the result of deliberate action and certainly no one is pointing fingers at any ball attendance. So, yeah, did deflated balls really make a difference? It's a fair question. It's worth remembering that the Patriots scored 17 points in the first half when, according to the NFL, the balls were below their optimum pressure. 28 points were piled on by Brady and Co. after them when the balls had been re-inflated. So, the fact that 17 points were scored in the first half and twenty-eight in the second doesn't quite stack up that there's a massive advantage does it no no i'm going to be honest with you i just i haven't got sort of anything more up to date on that but i just found that a fascinating thing about potentially accusing a team of deflating a ball so what's your what's your view <laughs> now- on that
1: Right. Can we just say, right, whoever the, the governing body is that that these that creates these rules, because we've got like the FA and the Premier League in England for football or soccer. Um, Why do they fucking let them bring their own balls? Like, what kind of rule is that to begin with? You wouldn't see a team in the Premier League turning up and be like, hi, we've brought our own balls. Could you just let us know that they're good enough? That, to me, just seems like you could get away with just preventing this whole situation entirely if you just didn't allow them to bring their own balls. Why don't the league supply them? Very strange
0: to me. Exactly, and giving them a pump beforehand as well. Like you said, yeah, this should be. You'd think it should be independent, right? Yeah, this is what I mean. Like, there should be
1: somebody just testing them and being like, "No, this is the ball that you're going to play with. We've pumped them all up to X psi. This is what you're going to, you're getting given. It's very, very strange. It's kind of like." I understand why boxers choose their own gloves because they like particular brands. They like how particular brands people, but they still have to agree that they're going to fight with particular gloves. Whereas this, there's just no tangible reason in my mind, because when all of the the balls need to fit that really specific criteria about them being tan and this particular color and no corrugation. Yeah,
0: Yeah.
1: Why are we giving them a choice anyway? Because they even have to be the same brand, which makes no sense to me. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Very, very strange to begin with. Um, also I guess from the aspect of cheating it's only going to be you that technically has your hands on that ball as a reason as, as a result of you bringing your own ones so I can kind of understand why they've chosen to deflate them in those conditions yeah, yeah barring that very strange.
0: Yeah I've got um just a little addition for, so this was actually from January 2022 so last year basically they said so there was a 253 page report from the league found the Patriots at fault Brady was alleged to be at least generally aware of a plot to deflate the footballs. He was eventually suspended for the first four games of the 2016 season, while the team was handed a $1 million fine and lost two draft picks. Brady repeatedly denied all accusations. And I think I saw that it said, yeah, there's a stipulation now that the ball can be, at any random point in time, any game, the ball can be taken away by the NFL at halftime and tested. Again, it just feels a bit too late.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just something that could be prevented at point A, and instead of preventing at point A, we just allow the opportunity for people to cheat. It's very strange. It's a little bit like you know bat scandals in baseball, where like a bat breaks and they've like put cork in the middle to make it more bouncy. Um, it's like instances like that. Why don't we just give them the bats to use? This is the standard one. This is the brand that you have to use. I don't care if you like your own one. You're bringing these ones. It's very weird. Like, why are we changing the 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 equipment to like suit the players when the players should be training with what we give them it, it it yeah it just doesn't make sense it just opens yourself up to so many difficult situations
0: yeah I'm just thinking in football can you imagine if like Wayne Rooney suddenly before the game said oh yeah now I've just got to go in the locker room and you see him <laughs> huddled in the corner with a, a pump in the in the uh, <laughs> you know in the football <laughs> deflating a little bit I don't know could a ball uh, no I guess a ball couldn't naturally deflate during the game could it or unless it was a massive weather shift or temperature shift or something could he <laughs> yeah
1: it? yeah this is the thing unless there's like some strange act of god that's all of a sudden sucking the air from all of the uh egg-shaped footballs um <laughs> in the world yeah very very strange
0: and on that I didn't know that each team used their own balls yeah yeah so one if they're all supposed to be the same to the, the degree why have your own ones <laughs> because they should feel the same and yeah. move the same and secondly, yeah, if that rule wasn't in existence, they would have known literally within the five minute or the turnover of the, you know, after the fourth down or whatever. Because, exactly. I don't know. Am I saying that right? Is it the turnover of play <laughs> or something? I mean, I watched the Super Bowl, so I know roughly the, the, the mechanics of the game. But yeah, in the me,
1: turnover, they would have known, right? Me and Dan have absolutely no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> Is the Super Bowl like in a in a couple of weeks' time as well? I'm not sure. Is it in February time?
0: Yeah, it's February. That's one game I do. I love watching the Super Bowl.
1: Oh yeah, but here you have to remember it's like three o'clock in the morning, and I'm sorry, oh, I guys. I don't stay up for
0: it. I don't yeah, stay up
1: for it. I'm sorry to all of the Americans listening to this, but holy shit, it takes so long. Like it's just, it lasts like three hours. I remember once going to um our student union at university and we just went and got drunk and watched the super bowl i was literally at home before it even finished because i was like how have i been out on a drinking session and not lasted the length of this game
0: (laughs) well it starts i think it starts about 10 or half 10 here But the game actually starts around half 11, something, maybe midnight, and it finishes around 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I mean, yeah. it must be a brilliant event to go to because you get your money's worth, right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, here you go to a football game, you pay £100 for a ticket and the ball's only in play for 57 minutes of the 90. So, yeah, I guess the American football is, is more of an, an actual event.
0: As, as opposed to the, what we get here but yeah and the advantage of watching it the next stage you can fast forward a lot of it. yeah yeah this is all of the ads
1: <laughs> and the, the the crap performance from the inevitable washed up superstar that does their performance at the beginning although apparently it's rihanna this year but she hasn't been around very much in recent
0: years yeah was it last year where it was eminem was it snoop dog i think it was trey wasn't it <laughs> yeah i think you're right yeah that was really good. Yeah, like I said, I love the Super Bowl. I I know quite a few people that will stay up, they, you know, they have the Super Bowl parties. <laughs> but we're getting on a tangent here. Stop deflating the balls or don't deflate your balls, all right? <laughs> that's bad, it's cheating. So, yeah.
1: Right, now, moving on from that one, I've got a story that's been, um, or a scandal, in fact, that's been brought about in, in recent news again. So, I don't know if you know who Yusufa Makoko is. No. So he's a Borussia Dortmund football player, one of the most highly rated prospects in world football. To be honest with you, plays for the Germany national team, or well, he's living in Germany, I think at the moment. So I don't know if he's declared for either one. Uh, either oh, I think Cameron he's. I think or... German. Oh uh, yeah, I think I think we're right. I think we're right. So he's 18 years old or documented. However, it's now being claimed that a birth certificate dated for the year 2000 has been found with the name Yusufa Mohamedou, with reports in Germany believing it to be belonging to the Cameroon-born Borussia Dortmund striker. So apparently it's his adoptive father that sent the birth certificate to a journalist so he's being reported as being 18 currently and his official birth certificate the one that the german football association has on record lists his date of birth as november 20th 2004 so officially he's noted as being 18 however obviously this scandal hasn't concluded yet because we're still we still don't know however there is a long list of age fraud in football so if you look, and and this is kind of cross continental, famously in Europe. So this is regarding Alf Ramsey, obviously right. huge English footballing legend. He was manager with um, England, wasn't he, when they won the yeah. World Cup in '66. So apparently, in Alf Ramsey, he there was a journalist called Dave Bowler who. Um, wrote the book "Winning Isn't Everything: A Biography of Sir Alf Ramsey," and it claims that Alf Ramsey forged his documents that his date of birth changed from 1920 to 1922 because he feared that come at the end of the Second World War, he'd be considered too old to be offered a professional footballing contract.
0: Oh, so this
1: dates okay. back now years because obviously that was in the 1920s, and then there's obviously been huge examples. I think there was always scandal and rumour about was it um Carnu, the one that played for Arsenal? about him being like 45 and then there was the Lazio player um, the who Lazio was in their youth the at like 14 but I'm not joking this guy looks about 45 it is unbelievable but yeah there have been loads of instances so strangely Cameroon are one of the nations that pop up quite a lot and there's been lots of instances of Cameroon players either being suspended or refused to play for their under 17 teams Again, very, very common thing. And I think that with respect to age, it's because when you can ship players off and you can report them as being younger than they are, their value obviously goes up because if they're a fantastic talent, so this Makoku now, if he's 18 and he's as talented as he is, all of a sudden his value is astronomical. If all of a sudden you turn around and tell me that he's 22 and he's talented, all of a sudden that value drops because the potential that he has now to get any better is a little bit more limited because what kind of yeah. upper echelon has he got compared to being an 18 year old because obviously at 18 your body's not even fully grown yet you still grow until you're about 21 exactly. so you're yeah, physically yeah, yeah. not even in your peak but yeah very strange scandal do you want to know how it's being combated now
0: i'd love to know
1: a <laughs> fifa introduced in 2009 mri scans and this is because its MRI scans are considered to be 99% accurate at determining age until the age of 17. So basically, an MRI scan can tell whether a person is less than 17 years old, because after 17, it becomes really difficult to calculate a person's age based on any scans or bone density. So it's just coincidence that it's under 17 level, which is what FIFA competitions are in which you can right. basically establish. So the way it works is that every bone in the arm and leg has an end plate from which bone grows. And when the growth is completed, usually at the age of 17 or 18, the end plate disappears on the MRI scans. And so they don't okay. show up. So, you know, a person is older. So apparently there's about a 1% failure rate in terms of whether or not they're, they're accurate. Um, and then there's loads of criteria for what you need to find on an MRI scan to to have a player be officially able to compete at under 17 level so there was a couple of statistics so of the 429 mris conducted by the asian football confederation in 2007 10 players or 2.7 percent were found to be over the age of 16 years in an otherwise under 15 tournament and in 2008 one out of the 116 mris conducted had full fusion of that bone so that's only a point like 1 percent failure however not all associations were pleased to see the introduction of mris so nigeria lost 15 players after they were proven to be overage and were basically disqualified and then again there's a load of examples across um the african confederations asian confederations european confederations and american confederations so it feels like everybody's trying to use adults in youth games for some reason
0: so it's not so much trying to cheat in the senior teams it's about Cheating the system in the uh, in the youth games,
1: yeah, and I imagine at some point being able to inflate fees for your home confederation. Um, (laughs) there's a very very interesting one, and this was an Ecuadorian footballer. So their real name was Angel Cheme, who played the majority of their professional career as Gonzalo Chila, which was the name of a real player just three years younger, and they both met when they had trials at a local club. Um, and it basically allowed him to play in age restricted matches for three years after he was entitled to do so. So he played three years for basically what would have been like under 18 level until he was 21. So at that point, he is a fully grown man playing against what is basically kids. <laughs> it's it's really, really
0: strange. It reminds me of, have you seen that program on Amazon Prime, Sneaky Pete? No, I haven't. It's brilliant. Watch it. But it's about a guy in prison who gets out and has to hide. So he pretends he's his... Cellmate. He His cellmate told him everything about his life. So he goes to his lot like family he hasn't seen for years and pretends to be this guy. And it's just like that. He's had these trials with this other guy and he's taken on his persona.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, and again, like I said, very scary about how common this thing actually is in yeah, modern day yeah. football. If you look in the year two thousand, sixteen 16 players were banned by the Asian Football Confederation and eight were banned in the 2010 under 16 European Championships for being above age. But yeah, uh, it's only because the recent story of the the Borussia Dortmund forward um, came out. And like I said, the leader that they've got on it potentially being sent from what is his adoptive father or stepfather is crazy knowing that ultimately he could be 22 when he's been purported as being 17, just turned 18. But yeah, you really
0: get away with it at some point. Surely if they then sort of make it. To the senior team. I mean, do you suddenly have a glut of players who have to retire really early, like at twenty-six, because their body can't cope anymore at twenty-six, but they're really thirty-eight? Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, this is what I mean because obviously, at the beginning of your career, it doesn't make much of a difference to you because you're yeah, fair enough, you're getting through the system. But all of a sudden, when you hit thirty, and you're thirty-four. That four years is a big difference when you're in the professional leagues. You know, you look at the way that a 25-year-old will perform versus, you know, a 34-year-old in that league. There's a big jump. And if you're turning around and taking four years, five years on that age... You're going to look much and much more unfit than the rest of the players around you, you know not everybody's a Cristiano Ronaldo who goes until he's forty five looking like a twenty two year old but yeah, very, very strange again, something that's been combated with medical examinations and that sort of thing. But I would imagine that there are probably still instances of this happening right now, and like i said we've we've got one actively in the media, so it'd be good to see how this concludes and whether or not it is proven that he is eighteen or in fact twenty two be an interesting story to keep a hold of.
0: The Lazio player one is the one that sticks out because that was years ago. That was kind of more in my memory now. The difficulty is you can't just look at a person because looks really can be deceiving. But I just remember he did look like he was in his 30s and they were trying to pass him off as a team.
1: Yeah, so if anybody wants to look this this Lazio player up, his name's Joseph Manala. So the Italian FA confirmed that he was 17, but it's reported that he was 42. Now, if you do look at images of the guy, he does look old, if we're being honest. There's pictures yeah, of him yeah. as 17. He looks like a fully grown man like he could have three kids and a mortgage. That's genuinely the way he looks. So, we'll let everybody be the judge. I mean, again, it was I remember it being a huge scandal um at the time as well.
0: Are you saying then do you think we've kind of the, all the documentation although that can be falsified i know that in the modern day with information overload do you think it is is it a point where we can't you can't get away with this anymore because I think, there's too much documented
1: yeah i think that that's where we're going i think like i said the federations are now introducing systems to turn around and prevent this from happening and i do think it's much more difficult but ultimately there you know in in particular places in the world There is just worse record keeping, like, especially if you'd have gone back to that period where Kanu would have played football, documents would have been paper 30 years earlier when he was born in, you know, like the 60s or 70s. So as a result, document keeping just isn't as good when you look at anybody who might be 80 years old they've got birth certificates but they're all rough pieces of paper written down handwriting so who's to know in reality i have
0: a paper birth certificate and i'm not 80 just yeah
1: saying. well yeah well exactly if people your age <laughs> bloody hell you're, <laughs> age. You're, you're you're dan's going on trial for spurs under 18s <laughs> <laughs> i'll
0: probably do a job as well
1: yeah well yeah currently <laughs>
0: Yeah, I get, and I guess, and it's awful. you can falsify, it anyway, can't you? You know, in this day and age. So, yeah. yeah so, cheating, one. making older players younger just to just to cheat. Oh,
1: uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. unbelievable. I promise, unbelievable. my next two are just a much more funny instances of of just things that happened during
0: sport. <laughs> I've just got the one more, and again, it's well, I call it slightly humorous, but I'm not in the mood to do it now. I was debating whether to do it. <laughs> so, we had the North London derby where Arsenal beat Tottenham. we're going to go back to 2006 for what was affectionately known as lasagna gate. (laughs) So, you know this, don't you? I do indeed, yeah. Now, this is bad for two reasons. One, because obviously our team suffered because of this. But two, also, I love lasagna and it's associated with a painful memory now. So, in 2006, Tottenham were a point ahead of Arsenal. They knew a win would see them qualify for the Champions League. They stayed at the London Marriott West India Quay Hotel in Canary Wharf the night before the game. Overnight, and here we go, listen to these names, blast from the past. Overnight, Edgar Davids, Tim Tenyo, Robbie Keane, Michael Dawson, Michael Carrick, Aaron Lennon, Radic Cherney, Callum Davenport, Lee Barnard, Tom Huddleston and Lee Young-Pio were all said to be taken ill. Around 10 members of the squad informed the club doctor that they had endured an extremely rough night with a number of them being violently sick. The players had eaten at a buffet dinner in a private room. Many of the players were said to have helped themselves to the lasagna, which was one of the food options. I was in a bad way, Davenport told The Athletic in 2020. I remember waking up at 5am thinking, I never wake up for the toilet or anything. What's wrong here? (laughs) I got on the toilet, had my head in the sink and my backside on the toilet. And well, it wasn't pretty i couldn't get off the toilet so i rang the team doctor and explained how i felt i was told callum you're not the only one i've had other people on the phone as well i was given something to make me feel a bit better and then went down to breakfast carrick wrote in his biography in 2018 i'd never endured agony like this it was like a fire in my guts with petrol poured on it again and again the pain kept flaring up and i curled up in bed praying for it to bark to pass Spurs pushed for a postponement to the game, but it wasn't possible. Despite opponents' West Ham being happy to delay the game, Tottenham's players were clearly affected by their illness and lost the game 2-1. Arsenal beat Wigan 4-2, which meant they qualified ahead of Spurs. What I'll say just before we go on, what's changed? So basically, after that, they start saying now that they take two chefs to away games to to kind of help oversee some of the, the meals that are prepared. It's this, it says does. It protect against the same situation happening. No, after the loss to West Ham in 2006, Spurs made their players provide urine and stool samples. And this is funny. I could go into this, but ultimately, he's this guy's never uh, one of these players never provided a stool sample, so it was really funny his reaction to having to provide one and how it's done. But we but we won't go into that. Basically, it was then turned out that the only positive finding from the investigation had been one positive sample. Um, which showed norovirus, which is a form of gastroenteritis, which is common in the winter anyway. Yeah. So the hotel was cleared of any wrongdoing, with the accepted wisdom being that it was a highly contagious virus, most likely to blame. Now, again, you know, it's not great. I mean, you know, we laugh, at that player was obviously in a lot of discomfort and we've all been there, right? But why I picked this is there probably was a legitimate virus, but it was the fact that they were blaming it on the lasagna and that's what it—that's what it became known as, Lasagna Gate. And it was just, come on, just, just you know, it's like, so you've lost because of a pasta dish.
1: Do you know what's really funny is like there were rumours that like the the hotel had been infiltrated by by like Arsenal, Arsenal. fans, yeah. and that someone was <laughs> yeah. an Arsenal fan behind the scenes, and it had intentionally poisoned the the dish, which I think was hilarious. Um, but again, you know. All of them did fall in at the same time. So was it just a bug or was there foul play involved? I mean, we can't ever prove it. I reckon the Spurs players would turn around and say that nothing ever hit their camp previously like that. And given the nature of how important the game was, we've seen fans turn around and set off fireworks outside of team hotels, haven't we? Yeah, It's a really common thing. Like you go to an away game, there's a team staying in a hotel and people will set off fireworks in the street to wake them up at three o'clock in the morning. So is it beyond the realm of possibility? I don't think it is, but you know, again, it's all, all speculation.
0: Yeah, for those who don't know Tottenham though, however, we are accused of being Spursy, which means we bottle it at the any opportunity we can, and it just smacks <laughs> of that, doesn't it? The last game needing to win. And then Dodgy Lasagna. Uh, yeah, and, and like I said, that's what it is. Instead of just saying, look, we've had a virus run through, it's, it's, it was trying to blame that. Or it made it look like somebody in the camp was trying to blame the hotel.
1: Yeah, 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 I think so, rather than them just being shit.
0: <laughs> just, yeah, just come out and say, look, we've got illness. It happens, right? But no, it was trying to make it seem like somebody was out to sabotage them. <laughs> we'll never know, or will we? Or we'll never know. So, yes, yeah, the humble lasagna, nobbled Spurs in 20, uh, 2006.
1: right staying with football and i've got two very quick ones i'm going to ask you and i'm going to give you the date of when the game was played and the two teams i want to tell you i want to ask you if you can remember what this was about so it's the 17th of october 2009 and liverpool are playing sunderland at the stadium of light darren bent
0: no 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 i don't know
1: so this is the day that the beach ball scored for sunderland
0: yes yes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I do.
1: Yeah, go on, brilliant. So, basically, Sunderland are playing Liverpool. And obviously, even at the time, I mean, Liverpool were had a little bit of a rough period in that kind of late 2000s, early 2010s, didn't they? But um, Liverpool have, have gone to Sunderland to play a game. And there was only one goal that game. Um, and it was scored by Sunderland's Darren Bent. However, the nature of the goal being scored... So, Darren Bent strikes the ball from just inside the box, in reality... The ball, as it's careering towards the goal, bounces off of a beach ball. The beach ball goes one way, and the ball, whilst the Liverpool goalkeeper is stood there, basically just hops over the Liverpool goalkeeper's shoulder, goes in, and it's declared a goal. Obviously, nothing like this had really ever happened before. We hadn't seen interference from like a foreign object on a football pitch, I don't think, ever. Everybody celebrated. The Liverpool players protested, and the referee basically said, tough shit, it's gone in. What are we supposed to do? It was made worse by the fact that it was a Liverpool beach ball and the footage came (laughs) out afterwards that it was a young Liverpudlian fan who had actually taken one of the beach balls from the away end and basically hit it onto the pitch. So it sat in front of Pepe Reina and that was the goal that decided Liverpool versus Sunderland. It was a huge scandal, obviously about like foreign objects on football pitches, whether it should have stood, whether it shouldn't. But the, the, the thing is it did. And it was also a Liverpool fan that did the sabotaging. I actually remember when this was replayed on the news that they actually blanked the Liverpool, Supporters face out because they didn't want them to be identified just in case they so had, You could like, actually see it reason. happen that they, they actually saw it on, yeah, on camera. You, you can see the fan just ping the, the beach ball up and then pop it onto, like he's giving a volleyball serve, and then the ball stays on the pitch. And at that moment in time, when Darren Beck made that strike, and it's funny as well because the BBC article that I'm reading has turned around and said Sunderland won, Liverpool nil, and then he credited the goal as
0: bent/slash beach ball. <laughs> 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 that's brilliant. I do remember that. That's yeah, that's a classic. And and yeah, I guess you've got to say it should be allowed because you've either got to stop the play when a foreign object is on the yeah the pitch, or if it's allowed to play on, then it's down to the keeper to clear his his box because it could it equally is. have stopped a goal, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing; it just would
1: have been luck of the day because the Sunderland fans would and Sunderland would have been just as begrudged had that beach ball not the ball off target and sent it careering out wide um but yeah hilariously funny moment because we've seen before with balloons and stuff and goalkeepers popping balloons but again it's just it's like everything aligned that day to bring about the worst possible worst possible outcome for liverpool but yeah i remember at the time it just being a very very
0: funny and that's more of a footballing fail very much a um, pub quiz question, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's
1: who scored? Uh, what what teams and what year was uh was the beach ball responsible for scoring the goal or something like that? Moving on to my last one. This sorry, is probably. Likely... At,
0: sorry, at that time, probably beach ball was was the top scorer for Sunderland. Probably. Yeah, yeah, probably would have been. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> don't don't know if that's the sorry, season sorry they went down fans, Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> last one that I've got is less an actual sporting fail and more so a sports star fail. So this one's funny because it's relating to teams. So obviously we know that Manchester City in the late two thousands were taken over by Qatar. I think it's is it was it Qatar or was it the UAE? I can't remember. I think what, it's UAE, yeah, UAE owners, hugely rich. I think twenty five billion quid is what they're worth. Um, and obviously they began a splurge of signing huge named players. Now, if you remember, Robinho was one of them. The same Robinho who's in prison or was charged in Italy for particular crimes but it's probably another story for another day however the reason that this is a fail is because obviously Rabinho didn't really know much about English football so when he was signed for Manchester City I think it was 35 million pounds at the time which was a huge fee at the time it was, for a, it was a
0: massive signing
1: yeah. massive yeah it was huge huge signing he arrived in Manchester and ended up going to Manchester City he was quoted as saying afterwards though that he thought he was signing for Manchester United. I didn't know that there was another (laughs) Manchester club... (laughs) So apparently he didn't find out what club he was signing for until last minute. And he heard that he was going to Manchester. He just didn't know that Manchester had a second club and that it was Manchester. Well, second club then. Now first club, I guess you would say. Um, he just didn't realise that Manchester City even existed because he thought he was signing for Manchester United. I just think that is one of the most hilarious instances of like miscommunication in the world. And he ultimately ended up playing for Manchester City and not saying no to it because he did. he just thought he was signing for a different club entirely. It's just hilarious hilarious and he
0: didn't he didn't do or it wasn't a brilliant move as such was it if i remember no why. no I'm it was really it's poor not... this
1: this was where manchester city were spending their money really irresponsibly and they had like players like roque santa cruz who even do you remember him um, <laughs> oh, on yes, like yes. 150
0: grand a week or something at the time which again was insane wages like i said it was a case of they came in and said we are gonna i think it was right near the end of the transfer window as well i think they said we just yeah. want to spend the most amount of money on a player and yeah like i said 30 million was a huge amount then massive
1: amount but yeah absolute fail fail on Robinho's side fail on City's side as well just because he just didn't really do anything like you said while he was at City just a hilarious story and I do wonder if even the agent knew what he was doing or whether or not the agent knew he was signing for City knew that he wouldn't have wanted to have gone but the fee was just too big and he was going to get too big of a cut
0: (laughs) yeah well that was it it's a fail on him and or his agent but because yeah (laughs) surely if you don't even know who you've signed for
1: (laughs) just so trash But, yeah, that's my ending, note. I feel like we could potentially do a part two on sporting fails because we only really touched the surface on some like the American stuff that it's about, like your your basketball pitching scandals and that sort of thing. But, yeah, it was was a good one to end.
0: No, it was a great one to finish with. Anyone listening, if you've got any stories of scandals or big sporting failures or excuses either side of the pond, let us know. Send them in or get in contact at castingviewspod at gmail.com or you can get us on Twitter at castingviews. Lou, anything else from you before we go?
1: No, not apart from the fact that evidently they needed a better Google Translate app or translator app when they were when they were performing that Rabinho signing. But yeah, nothing more from me.
0: So yeah, so that's it for this week's episode. We'll we'll have another episode out next week and we know there's a lot of podcasts from which you can choose. So we thank you for listening to Casting Views. If I
1: want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a far, as for a